Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately, the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. Today, we're going to learn who Charlie Hutchinson is. But before we do, let me tell you a few things about what Charlie has done. So Charlie leads a team, Houseworks Collectives, of nine, six sales agents, and three admin. And this year, Charlie and his team are on track to do $30 million in sales and over 100 transactions. No disrespect intended, Charlie, but who really cares about that? Let's get to know Charlie the man. Perfect. So, how are you? Good. How are you? Beautiful fall day today, oh, huh? Incredible. If we could only have like three months of this. I don't think you can. You can't move anywhere and get three months of this. Right. If you have a long fall, you have a sweltering sum. Yep. Yep. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. Little Charlie. Where was? Where did little Charlie grow up? Well, that was actually my name. It was Little Charlie because my father's name was Charlie as well. Okay. Until I outgrew him and uh, <laughs> Little Charlie was bigger than Big Charlie. But I grew up in Merton, Wisconsin, so okay. the Lake Country area. Nice. Yeah. What was life like as Little Charlie? It was it was how I got into real estate. Uh, not to dive into real estate real quick. Mm-hmm. My folks owned a restaurant growing up. So I didn't know what a nine to five was. I didn't know what a Friday night football game was because I was busy, you know, working the fryers on the fish fry, right? Okay. So it was, um, it was definitely about business. Mm. And probably lots of dinner table conversations that were more insightful than business school would have been. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> being part of conversations that maybe I shouldn't have been a part of and, and realizing how much time and effort it takes to, to build something and the stress that it can bring and the things that it takes away from a family because maybe both parents aren't there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the importance of teamwork and building a team, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And, and unwavering customer service. And to me, whenever I think of a restaurant, I think of a business where you can please somebody 10, 20, 30 times and you give them one overcooked piece of fish and you'll never yep. see them again. Yeah, they'll write a review on that. They'll never review for the good the good steak they had, for that one right. bad steak you're getting a review, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So those were your formative years. You were like child labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really cheap labor for my folks, yeah. Right. Okay. But, uh, but I got to eat a lot of mozzarella sticks. And as a kid, you know, right. what else can you ask for? Um, so I always joke that I'm on a high-carb diet, and mm-hmm. the nice thing about it is that the results are immediate. <laughs> So, kid, going to school in Merton, what were your dreams? What did you want to do? I, you know, I can remember vividly having no idea. I played volleyball in, in grade school and in part of high school. You probably wouldn't be able to tell that by my stature, but you don't need to be extremely tall to be a good, you know, setter. And I remember getting into the shower one day thinking, I guess I'm going to go try to be a professional volleyball player. Hmm. No, I did not pursue that. But in my head as a kid, you don't know what options are out there, right? right? School does not prepare you for the millions of different jobs that are out there, let alone a sales job in real estate. I remember taking, I think it was in eighth grade, there's a test that you take, and it's supposed to tell you like three different industries you could you could go in. Mm-hmm. And my number one industry was they wanted me to be a, a cake decor- decorator. Interesting. A cake decorator. I don't even know what that wow. would be. What, what, what am I, a baker? 
Right. So yeah. You, so you pursued that for ten years. Yeah. So I pursued that for ten <laughs> years in uh, at uh, in France. Yes. Of course. What were the other two? I don't remember. I just remember that being the one that stuck with me, thinking, "This is bullshit. Right, <laughs> like, right. This thing is a sham." So. Yeah. You know, volleyball is an interesting analogy because I, I wasn't a volleyball player, but I use that analogy when I'm talking to other leaders of teams because I think it's incumbent upon a leader of a team to set the ball for others to spike it. And that that's really what a leader does. I mean, my style is to lead from behind, take none of the credit and all of the blame mm -hmm. type of thing. And mm -hmm. I think volleyball is maybe along with working in a small family business, two great avenues for lear learning teamwork. It's so true. I just had a conversation at lunch with one of my agents and our personalities are different, but you know, we both kind of do the same thing, but I, I'm so much more of a, I, I like to show people what I can do rather than tell them what I can do because I don't, I don't want to under promise. I'm sorry, over promise and under deliver. Like my motto is under promise and over deliver, mm -hmm. right? Got to get that one straight. Yeah, it's tough to get there. <laughs> right. But my motto is <laughs> under wait over promise and, and under deliver. That is yes. not my motto. Well, you'd be one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, it would be. But I even say that I play basketball on Mondays, and mm -hmm. I tell my team I don't need to be dribble driving, shooting the three. I get a lot of excitement out of the assist, passing yeah. that ball. To me, that's just as good as scoring the three. Yeah, nice. Um, okay, so you realize that volleyball is not going to feed an eventual family. Yeah, it turns out high school volleyball is a little bit, a bit different than professional volleyball. Right. And you probably need a little bit of height to play professionally. Fair enough. Yeah. So you headed off to school? Is that I did. Next? So, yeah, I went to MATC in Milwaukee to mm -hmm. pursue uh, visual arts, hmm. uh, not really knowing what that meant. But I knew I, I did like uh, photo photography, graphic design, stuff like that. And uh, in that opened up my eyes to a couple of different avenues, but it was still, you know, working for a company in their visual arts department, right? I never ended up graduating from ATC. Mm -hmm. In between there, how I made money is I was in a band, a two-man band, mm -hmm. and we we used our entrepreneurial spirit to reach out to Roundy's stores, which is in downtown Milwaukee, and we had a contract with them to play all their grand openings and re-grand openings. Hmm. So we would uh, either be in the produce department or outside playing Hootie and the Blowfish and Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, and nice. it was our, – our thought process was if you can get your customer to stay in the store longer by listening to us, mm -hmm. they're probably going to buy a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and so we did that for two or three summers. And at, I don't know, $350, $400 bucks a gig and doing it three or four times a week, at 21, that was real money. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What instrument did you play? Guitar. Okay. And I used, uh, maybe you can't tell right now, but I used this beautiful voice mm -hmm. to swoon people. And I had a bunch of jokes that I would do too that would land on deaf ears, but it was, it was <laughs> very fun. I was with my best friend. Mm -hmm. you know, and at 21, playing music, whether it's the grocery store or Turner Hall, it's just a, it's a fun time. Sure. And then, if I recall correctly, you mm -hmm. kind of, ended up pursuing music for a period of time. I did. I did. That stemmed from Spanish class in college at UWM where I eventually went. And everyone just said, Charlie, you should um, you should keep reading Spanish. You, your voice sounds so good reading Spanish. I don't know how to speak Spanish, but I can apparently I can read it fairly well. And I parlayed that into thinking, wait a minute, what if I go for communications and start in the radio business? Hmm. So I worked for a couple of different radio stations here locally in Milwaukee. 
and uh, which turned into me moving to Nashville to work for Sony Music in their promotions department. And what does that mean when you're in the promotions department? Mm, so Sony Music in Nashville is obviously country-based, and country radio is pretty much the only stream of FM radio out there right now that is like very big listener, uh, has a huge listener base, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so our job was to call radio stations and say, hey, Brad Paisley is about to release a new single. We really want you guys to play it. Like, he, like here it is. Our goal was to get as many plays on local radio stations as possible. For Sony For talent. artists. Yeah, for yeah. Sony talent, exactly. Okay, interesting. Easier or harder than it sounds? At that point in my life, I was 24, and I didn't have a job before then that made me uncomfortable, right? And calling people that were in higher positions than I was and not having too much of a backbone, uh, it was intimidating. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was hard for me. So it, I need to say I didn't last very long in, in that industry. But but it was very fun. It was, it gave me so much experience to move out of state mm-hmm. and live somewhere else and not have any friends or any family nearby. Mm-hmm. And was Jenny in the picture? Then no, your wife, Jenny? no. Okay, no, so this came later was, in life. No. And what years were you down in Nashville? I wasn't there long, a little over a year, uh, 2011, 2012. Okay. Yeah, that city has changed in the last oh, 10 it's years. it's huge. Yeah, it's exploded. Yeah, it, it's still a fantastic city, but now you really need to know where to go. Mm-hmm. Because downtown is so touristy, which is great. It brings in tons of revenue, but it's the outskirts of Nashville that are really fun to be in. Yeah, neat. Okay, so you're calling people, you're pushing Brad Paisley, <laughs> yeah. and you're thinking, well, volleyball's out and and radio promotion is out. So where, what did that lead to? Well, as an aside, like everyone moves to Nashville, you think, oh, cool, I'm going to like be part of like a songwriting troupe and I'm going to release a song or something. Everyone's an artist down there Mm -hmm. and everyone is better than you are. Everyone's talented. It is insane. So after that happened and I I realized I wasn't that great at guitar and writing songs, I had an inkling to move back home, to be close to friends and family, to be close to something that I was comfortable with. But I knew I didn't want to do another nine to five which was the, the, the music business. So I actually took the course for the real estate license in Nashville online. Mm-hmm. And then the day I moved back, I uh, went to Pearson View out in Brookfield where everyone goes, and mm-hmm. I took the exam, and, and, and I passed. So did you take the Wisconsin? Correct, I yeah, I would yeah. assume yep. it's a different in every state. Yeah. Okay, got it. So did you have a built-in network, or what did that look no, like in the beginning? No, not at all. There was no plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that goes to show you why I, we bring on new agents to give them a plan, not mm-hmm. to go too far ahead of myself, but there was no plan. I moved back. I lived in my grandma's basement in Germantown. I was 25. Mm. I had no money. I had a bunch of credit card debt because I went to Europe, which was great. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I had a lot of debt and, and no real income. So I had a bunch of side streams, right? I was selling Chromebooks at Best Buy stores. I became a property manager uh, so I could get free rent and, and move out of my grandma's basement. There was no real plan uh, with real estate. Mm-hmm. So like most people, you you know walk into a brokerage and yeah. get an opportunity. And what did that look like? Like what was the beginning like? Yeah. So I picked the brokerage based on location and, and name, I should say. So I started at Shore West in the North Shore office you know, in Shorewood. And 2012 pretty much was the bottom of the market, at least... Mm-hmm. Price-wise, 
prices started to drop in 08, but they really bottomed out in 2012. So as someone who I had no prior knowledge Mm -hmm. and which is beautiful, right? To have no knowledge and to jump in the market and just be like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to sell homes now, not knowing that the market wasn't great. It was perfect time for me. But I, I, yeah, I picked the, the short West office. I knew the name and I loved the location. Even though I lived in Germantown, I was like, nope, I'll drive down every day. I'll sit at my desk. I'll figure something out. Yeah. And I, and I was there for, for about a year, a little over a year. What was the first day like? First, let, let, let me rephrase it. Yeah. What was the first week like? God, it was, it was so exciting. I remember this, uh, the first time I really went in was the sales meeting Tuesday morning. It was uh, at the time, I don't know if they still do, but they held the meetings in the basement that, you know, but finished obviously down there. And everyone's eyes are on you. It's almost like high school. And mm-hmm. you're like the new kid that uh, just transferred. Right. And they're like, because everyone's, it's a weird business. Everyone's judging, like, is this kid going to do well? Who is this guy? And, but it was very exciting to meet everybody. There are a lot of people there that were excited to see me there. And I was able to hitch my, um, my giddy up to a, a couple of the wagons of the of the guys that have been there for a while who needed help, and that's how I learned the business. Who were some of the more helpful people in the beginning? There's a gentleman, uh, Jerry Plato. He he was able to give me side jobs, whether it's showings, open houses, or moving this there or moving that there, and uh, it was it was just great to have someone who's who gave me something to do in the business, mm-hmm. other than sitting at a desk. There's a agent out of Texas that when he started in a brokerage office like the one you've described, probably around the same time, the brokerage itself gave everybody like a little box and index cards and people would put their leads in there and they gave you a system to, you know, place the cards in a certain way that you remember to call people. And he shared with me that, you know, the reason why he had such a great start to his career is we go back in that office at 2 in the morning every night and go through everybody's <laughs> boxes. You didn't have to resort to that. But, you know, back in 2012, teams weren't really a thing. There weren't teams. Um, everybody was kind of fending for themselves. And you were fortunate enough to have somebody kind of at least keep you engaged and involved and feeling yeah. good. And- 100%. And I met a couple of great people. One of the people that I met the first day, he's he's actually still on my team. He was in my wedding and he, you know, he had the BMW, you know, the first day when I saw him. Mm-hmm. So we got in his BMW and then the next week we got in someone else's car and it was a Volvo. I was like, oh, is this what real estate is? Mm-hmm. And at the time I'm driving a 1999 Toyota Corolla with a busted back window, but I duct tape it with black duct tape so you couldn't really tell it was busted. <laughs> you know, the kind of car where I would park it across the street or on the block I'm so sure. my clients right. <laughs> wouldn't see right. and i was like i'm gonna get there it, it it gave me a great visualization of what real estate could get you not just monetarily but just the freedom mm-hmm. uh, so it was really great working out of that office and i still respect everyone there and, and had made some great relationships while i was at, at that office um how long was it until you did your first deal about five months five and a half months buyer or seller buyer of course right yeah So for five months, you had to persevere. You couldn't lose sight of the fact that this is what I'm going to do. This is my calling. You know, you look at all the people back then and today that flood into our business, Mm -hmm. and how many of those people would wait five months for their first deal? Very few. Uh, Quite honestly, Rick, I had nothing else. What else was I going to do? 
right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't even feel like I was persevering. I was just like, no, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like, and if I got to, you know, sell Chromebooks at Best Buy for a little longer or do whatever it might be, like, that's fine. Like, that's, and not even because, I'm not saying that real estate, oh, it's my calling. I need to be here. It's just, what the hell else was I going to do? So I think people would say, oh, it's like the grind culture, a hustle culture. No, <laughs> I had I literally had nothing else to do. My goal was to move out of my grandma's basement. Sure. That's it. Okay. And you're not back there, correct? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> that's another story, but uh, different day. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you put a couple deals together. You're out living on your own. Like, When did you start to get momentum and how did that happen? I would say after after year three, I became more confident, mm. right? And that is just with the longevity or just having the three years under my belt, doing a number of deals. At that time, I was probably close to 50 deals in my in my career. But that's when I felt like, okay, I still worried about money, but I knew what I was doing was going to get me to my goal. But quite honestly, I'm in a little over year 10 right now, and I'm still learning. I still am trying to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. It's a never-ending course on real estate but because it's something that i love like i truly love every aspect of real estate like i have no problem with that like i'm we're changing constantly about every 12 to 18 months things are getting a little bit different so yeah for all of us yeah which is for me it's exciting i mean i'm the kid that you know when my mom told me to clean my room instead of cleaning my room i would just rearrange the furniture because i love change mm-hmm. i'd love change and mm-hmm. that's kind of what this business has given to me mm-hmm. okay so I think of you as a content guy. I mm-hmm. mean, you really, I think you enjoy being in front of the camera. You Whoa, enjoy no, having no. fun. I don't have any, there's no vanity. It's a sin. Vanity's a sin, so I don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't. But you're a content guy. And yep. Not everybody is, and clearly that's a path that you're taking to build your business. Mm-hmm. If we go back, when did that start? My first hire was not a transaction coordinator. It wasn't an admin assistant. It was marketing. I, I like, and marketing is kind of a buzzword. It's a big word, right? It's generic. I like the brand. I like the way things look, but I knew that I wasn't the best at it, even with my slight background in visual communications and whatnot. So I, I hired at my, at the time, my girlfriend, Jenny, who's now my wife, mm-hmm. and she, she branded us. She made us look good, mm-hmm. right? And then after we had our, our, our daughter, we hired Sam on our team. And that's her job. Mm-hmm. She's the director of marketing. We have a ton of cameras. I mean, I love gear. A ton of cameras. We have the ring lights. We have microphones. We have it all so that not just myself, but my agents can use that because that's where you're going you're gonna to build rapport with people right now is build rapport on social media. So, and if you can't tell, you know, I kind of like to be the funny guy. So a lot of my videos are a little bit more, you know, tongue in cheek and a little goofy. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to find your voice, right? Yes. Well, I I always knew that this was kind of my voice, which is serious with a hint of, you know, Mm -hmm. humor, Mm -hmm. right? But I needed the confidence to be able to display that and also then be able to back it up like, yeah, I know that was funny, but here's why I'm saying that like that and Mm -hmm. because the market is doing X, Y, and Z. Sure. So it for me it takes time. I'm a late bloomer, right? So it takes me some years to build the confidence to do the things that that you now see. Mm -hmm. How's it working? Well. Well, not not just business, like it's fun. Mm-hmm. I tell Sam all the time, I was like, if all we have to do is these videos or are these videos and, and make sure our, our team and our clients are taken care of, I'm set. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. 
and we get a lot of interaction from our videos, not just from our, uh, our email campaigns or newsletters, but on social media from random people. Mm -hmm. And they, even if they haven't bought or sold a house with us, they know the brand now. They know Houseworks Collective. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of that is it's not my name. You know, so when my agents come on, they can build their own brand mm -hmm. with all of our tools that we have for them, which a lot of it is, you know, video production type stuff. Mm -hmm. So how does one decide who they're going to be? I think part of it's given to you, mm -hmm. right, by who you're around and who you grew up with. There's a lot of my father in me, which, and he's a goofy guy, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I think growing up, it's just a way to deflect maybe a little bit is having the humor. And mm -hmm. I think that's why maybe it took me a little longer to find my voice and build the confidence because the humor was a way to maybe push people away or to, or the, to make them like me, right? Because mm -hmm. when people laugh, it always seems like they like you. But it took me a while to find my confidence mm. to accept the voice that was given to me. Yeah, that's a good point. So where did the confidence come from? Transactions. Okay. Honestly, that's what it is. It just... Not telling people what I'm going to do, but showing people what I can do mm -hmm. and selling homes. Mm -hmm. And I guess back when you were starting in 2012, people weren't really content creators like they are today. No, and I wasn't either. I was, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm just, you know, I'm copying people. I'm R&Ding, right? But in 2012, there was no real marketing. I remember I put out a, um, at my first brokerage, I put out a postcard. It was like a geofarm postcard. And let me see if I can get this, this wording right. I think I put on there, it's not the size of the home that matters. It's how you use it. Mm -hmm. And I printed it and sent it and without getting approval from my sales manager. Mm -hmm. Let's just say they weren't very happy with that. But, you know, I think I've always kind of pushed the limit maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in asking for forgiveness and not permission. You mm -hmm. might know that mm -hmm. <laughs> on some things. But, yeah, it, again, it's, it's not reinventing the wheel with what we're doing with video. Mm -hmm. There's a million people out there that do it a lot better than I do, but we're doing it. Who are some of your inspirations? Well, Instagram takes up way too much of my time. Mm -hmm. I say it's for business, but we both know it's for pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I'm part of Tom Ferry coaching system. That whole ecosystem has provided a ton for me. There's a lot of different characters on there within that network that I follow. And the beauty of that is I've met them all now, too, at the different events that I go to. So it's just uh, R&Ding, you know, my friends now from different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I would assume that that added exposure helps the team. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and then my, you know, I'll make a video and then Andrew from my team, he'll make the same video. He's like, oh, that's hilarious. I'm going to do that too. Or I'll do it because they made it. Ty, our sales manager, he's constantly putting out content on YouTube. He saves the scripts and he puts them in our drive folder so our team can use those scripts and do their own video. Mm -hmm. Like that's... If there's one thing I want my agents to do is put your face in front of the camera. Get out there. Let people see who you are. Mm -hmm. You can be humorous, but then back it up with a little bit of reality. Yeah. What percentage of your business comes from people that don't know you, that you're not in their cell phone, let's sure. say, that are inspired by you, are you know engaged with you, you work them down the funnel? Like, mm -hmm. What percentage of your business comes from that? If the question is what comes from like social and our content, it's small. But here's what happens. People get referred to us, and before they call us, where do they go? Mm -hmm. They go to Google and Instagram. And from there, they're able to decide, wait a minute, I don't need to interview anybody else. Not only do these guys sell out of real estate, but they seem like they're fun to work with. Mm -hmm. So to say, like, oh, yeah, this person came from Instagram or came from social media, eh, that's hard to say. 
But that's the first place they go to vet us. Mm-hmm. And we have plenty of content on there to prove that, yeah, we're pretty great. Yeah. So when you're looking to add people to the team, mm-hmm. are you looking for people that kind of fit in that, in that same mold? One of our mottos is always come from curiosity. A lot of people don't want to be in front of the camera. But as soon as you start doing it, you start building that confidence. Mm-hmm. And your first video probably looks like crap. Right. And you're stumbling over your words and, you know, you're reading a script or something like that. Whatever. Get over it. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to be a little bit uncomfortable to put out that content. But once you do and you start seeing the fun feedback that people have, whether it's your agents or on social media, it's a really fun place to be. So, so to answer your question, yeah, I want people that are open to being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which might be being in front of a camera. Yeah. It, it might be cold calling. You know, we want to help that agent find their niche. It can be video, it can be door knocking, it can be cold calling. I choose video because it's no longer uncomfortable and it's extremely fun to do. So let's switch gears and talk about leadership a little bit. Lead the team. There's no question we're headed into choppy waters, Mm -hmm. headwind, you know, whatever, however you want to describe it. So as the leader of your team, what are you telling people and how do you motivate them? Don't listen to the media, right? Be the resource that you want to be right? You can spin anything in any any direction. But if, if you truly have the confidence and the knowledge of what's happening in the market and historically where we stand, you can basically get anyone to do anything that you want them to. Not to say that we're a, a hard sell kind of team, but mm-hmm. people in a market like this, they want confidence. And if you don't know what you're talking about and you're not, co- you're not confident in giving that advice, then we're doing something wrong. So I have, we have our weekly sales meetings. Obviously, we go over numbers, but even more so, we go over scripts. How do you make your clients feel confident in a market that's uncertain? Mm-hmm. So we're constantly trying to do things like that, whether it be our, our coaching or our training or our weekly team meetings. That's what we talk about. We talk about how to talk to the consumer. What are some of those more timely scripts? Well, I mean, you've probably seen a lot of them out there. You know, I don't love the date the rate, marry the house, mm-hmm. or marry the house, whatever people are saying. Right. But there's something to be said about that, mm-hmm. right? I recall my parents' first mortgage, they're telling me that they're 18%. Where we're right now, we're at 65 or 7%. So historically, we're not in a terrible spot, right? Refinancing is a real thing. And I wouldn't tell people to do anything that I'm not doing myself. Just sold a couple properties, I'm buying another one. I'm in the middle of a refinance right now. And they're going to get me because it's a rental property at 7% or 7.5%. Whatever. It's the time of year. It's the market that we're in right now. If our agents are able to guide and lead our clients, when the rates drop even a quarter percent, we're going to give them a call and say, hey, you should reach out to your lender. Or, hey, I spoke with your lender. I think now might be a good time for you to refinance. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's building the confidence through conversation. The consensus is that we're likely to see a third less transactions as an industry. Mm-hmm next year so for guys like us that means you have to pick up more market share so how, how does charlie hutchinson go out and do that so kind of like 2012 right well i didn't know what i didn't know back then now that i've been through a, a bit of a cycle it's it's exciting for me we're, i think a couple of things are going to happen one we're going to see the agent population dwindle a little bit Mm-hmm. it's hard. It's a tough market to be in. And if you're not with the team that's helping you produce and find leads, yeah, you're probably going to go back to your nine to five. I'm going to go back to answer your question. And the answer is by building the confidence in your agent mm-hmm. to help them build confidence in their client and customer. 
everyone needs, I'm sure, let me back up. In any market, people are buying and people are selling. Out sure. of necessity, right? People move, job transfers, whatever it might be. It's our job to build that confidence so that they can then tell their friends, hey, this wasn't that bad, right? Yeah, maybe I'm at 7% or 8%. But you know what? I work with Charlie and his team. Very smooth transaction. So if you guys wanted to move up, now might not be a bad time. Mm-hmm. It's all about building the confidence. Now, and it's definitely not smoke and mirrors either. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in this business. You don't want to lie to someone just to get the deal done just so you can get that commission check. No. You want to build confidence, build rapport. You want to make that relationship. So that's always what we're telling our team. It's all about the conversation and building confidence. Mm-hmm. And generally, let's say you're a buyer. If you're buying when everybody's buying, mm-hmm. probably not buying at the right time. If you're buying when nobody's buying, you're probably buying at the right time. Yeah. You know, everybody buys at the top and very few people buy at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's lonely to buy at the bottom, but that's when fortunes are made. Absolutely. Yep. And in a down market, that's when you can gain market share, gain traction. And and we're a lot of like you said, a lot of people have made money and the the majority of the money that's made in real estate is in a down market. So as it also an investor, my job right now is to tell my clients, hold on to your cash. We're going through something right now. There could be some really big pots of gold at the end of this. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so then that's, again, that's advising our clients, not just in the role of, hey, do you want to move up to a bigger home? But, hey, I know the market's crap right now, but I have this transaction over here. I have this duplex, three family, four family, five family, whatever it might be. I think the return on this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Let's kind of wrap up with that. So I think a lot of people in our industry are not taking advantage Mm -hmm. of actually being buyers themselves. And there's nothing like creating that alternative income stream, that passive income stream. Let's talk about your first acquisition Mm -hmm. and then what you've done since and what your plans are. Okay. I got a lot of plans, Rick. (laughs) Good. My first purchase was actually not that long ago, right? It was mm-hmm. 2016. It was a duplex in Wauwatosa, 64th Street, FHA loan, 3.5% down, owner-occupied. I live in the upper. Uh, fixed it up a little bit for my liking. At the time, uh, Jenny and I were dating, so I made it um, livable for her as well. But it, it was perfect, right? I got out of my apartment that I was paying, I think, 1200 bucks a month. And all in at my duplex, I was paying probably 500 bucks a month. It's really the only time in my life that I said, you know what, I'm going to get cable TV because I was paying so little on rent. So I was like, I can afford this. From that, uh, about a can year. Can I pause you for one yeah, second? Yeah. So even at 6 or 7% interest, yeah. it was the right move. Yeah. It changed your life. It got you into the game. Mm-hmm. And once you get your first one, you want another. Yep. So it wasn't that the perfect place came along. It was a steal and the rates were low. It was that you wanted to be an owner. You wanted to get in the game. The first one is the most important in the aspect of doing it, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It doesn't have to be completely opportunistic. Let's let's be full transparent here, Rick. Okay, so I was living at the North End Apartments downtown, fantastic spot, and based off my previous year's taxes, which was 2015 or 2014, I didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. So I was able to live in a on below market rent unit that was a fantastic spot. And then I made good money that year in real estate, so I could no longer keep that rate. So I said, mm-hmm. you know what? If I'm going to pay 1200 bucks in rent, let's just go find something mm-hmm. and let's buy it. 
And that's what happened. Um, so it was partially out of necessity, but partially also out of me saying, you know what, I'm in the game. Mm-hmm. or I'm telling people to buy. I should be buying too. And from there, it just it kind of just snowballs if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. A year later, I bought a duplex on Garfield in Wauwatosa. And I did something that maybe I shouldn't have done, but I gutted it and I converted it to a single family home. It was my first big project. Bought it for two thirty, sold it for four fifty about a year two years later. But we lived there. You know, the goal was to live there and mm. then we got antsy and we bought a big duplex then on on Hackett on the Upper East Side. Mm. And what did we do? We stuck a ton of money into it. The beautiful house. And then I sold it this past July mm-hmm. <laughs> because some neighbors came knocking. I said, Absolutely. In between there I bought a commercial space on Valide Street in Washington Heights, mm-hmm. renovated that. We still own that property. Bought a duplex on Highmount Boulevard in Washington Heights. Just sold that property too in July. In currently, and this is what I tell, uh, we can talk about investing for a very long time, but I'm exchanging funds from those properties to buy a large commercial property in Walker's Point. Um, so th- the goal there is you take all the equity, right? You don't pay the tax man. You, do, you just put it towards that, that next property, that bigger property. Mm-hmm. But this one's big. It is about 25,000 square feet, and it would be considered a redevelopment project. Mm. Um, I've never done it before. But it's something that I want to do. So what am I going to do? Wait for someone to tell me when to do it? I'm like, no, like I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Wonderful. Yeah. Sounds like everything is, I know you didn't have a plan going into it, but it sounds like everything's going to plan. Someone else's plan maybe, but Look it's been that. a great ride, right? Look at that full circle right there. Yeah, there was no plan and now there is so much going on within the real estate world. And I, I mean, I couldn't be happier. And to be able to bring people along for the ride more than a living wage to come work with me mm-hmm. is like that's better to me than selling a house for sure yeah it's about the journey right it's about the journey there is no end point there's no destination no. i mean it's and you seem to be having fun and you don't take yourself too seriously and you're helping raise the bar in our industry i'm trying thanks charlie appreciate it rick thanks for having me of course So I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer, No Sleep for Creating the Music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you.